we are, are we're a little series in the evening uh, up until Focus, when uh, it's a week away, church week away at the end of July. We'd love you to sign up and come along to that. Uh, but up until then, we're, we're working our way through the Apostles' Creed. The Creed is just a, a word from the Latin credo, I believe. And it is just a statement of faith. And uh, here it is. And um, traditionally, Christians around the world, they, they kind of speak this out together. So I, I think I'm going to invite us to do that. We'll, we'll say this creed out together. And then um, I'll read a bit from Scripture and uh, preach on one little bit of it just for us today. So why don't we say together, I believe in God. The Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. From there he shall come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Amazing statements of faith. That kind of uh, creed has been like that pretty much well, for centuries. It's known as the Apostles' Creed. It kind of took, um, well, probably uh, two or three hundred years to, to hone. Uh, and in the time that it was being kind of sort of chiseled and, and, and put together, there were as many as eight individual heresies against the person of Jesus Christ himself. The early church says, we think, he, we think this about him, and this about him. And the church had to work out, you know, really sort of work out against all these uh, divergent theories. It all sounded quite compelling. You know, he was, he was God, but he wasn't really man. No, he was a man, but he wasn't really God. All these kind of nuances. The church had to work quite hard to work out, now, what do we really believe about Jesus? So against sort of decades and decades, over centuries really, of, um, of the core belief being tested, this is what emerged the gold, if you like, out of the furnace, uh, the, the wheat out of the chaff. Uh, if you've got a Bible, I don't know if we put the green ones around, sorry, they're, they're at the back, but if you've got a Bible um, or your phone or tablet, something, uh, Hebrews, which is um, it's on page 1136, if you've got the, the church Bibles, but uh, it's, after, it's after the sort of Colossians, Philippians and all that, and it's before, get to Revelation and work towards the front and you'll, you'll get there fairly soon. The letter to the Hebrews, and uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read the first three verses of chapter 1, and then I'm going to jump to chapter 2 and verse 14. So the start of chapter 1 and the end of chapter 2. Page 1136, if you've got the Green Bibles. In the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Jump across to chapter 2, verse 14. 
Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Father, help us as we continue to mine the truths uh, and the solidity of this creedal statement. As we seek to apply it to our lives today, Lord, teach us and inspire us and kind of root and establish us in your love. Equip and enable us to live lives that make you look good in our homes, in our places of work, in our communities. And all this for your glory. Amen. Amen. Uh, the line today um, is suffered under Pontius Pilate. I'm just going to look at, uh, at that bit of the creed today. Um, and, uh, and here's the thing about the creed. If we, um, in fact, can we have the first thing up again? Just the, fir- the first half. So we've, we've looked at, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Joe Glenn last week downloaded that talk. It's fantastic if you missed it. So these are, these are kind of really big. These are big things. You know, God, creator of the universe. And Jesus Christ, the kind of one and only who's kind of changed history, our dating system, is, is you know, centered in on this one life, a huge, big Things and the kind of concepts that we li- believe about Jesus, who he was, and the impact he's had on the whole of human history. And here's, here's this one little thing uh, on Jesus' life. We've, we've thought about his divinity, Jesus Christ, the, the anointed one of God. We've conceived by the Holy Spirit, Joe talking about the Spirit hovering over creation and hovering over Mary's womb. So, so Jesus is very much a kind of, you know, God guy. And the reason why I think this little line in the creed is so crucial is because it's the one line, you could argue, that, that roots him into our experience, roots him into our lives. And actually, by mention of Pontius Pilate, roots him into history. We can locate him. One of the heresies I, I mentioned, uh, Joe touched on it last week, was, is, it's a heresy known as docetism. And um, again, it comes from that word, comes from the Latin doceo, to seem or appear. And the, the thing is that Jesus was, um, he was kind of God, and he only appeared really to be human. He was like a sort of, you know, holy mirage. He sort of walked around pretending to be human, but he wasn't really. Because if he was really human, how could he live like he did and teach like he did and love like he loved? He was, so he, was, he wasn't really one of us. And the early church says, yeah, I, I can see your point. Uh, tempting to believe that, but no, no. He really lived on our earth at this time, engaging with these people. 
I don't know if you've, any of you have had a chance to, to go out to, to the Holy Land, to, to, to Jerusalem, and to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. It's incredibly moving. Uh, around the Temple Mount, to, to, you walk up these big sort of stone steps towards the, the mount where the first century temple would have been. It's not the temple that's there now, or the, the ruins isn't the one that was in Jesus' day, but the mount is. And, steps are, and you almost certainly, you're, you're, as you walk up those steps, you are walking on the very steps that Jesus himself would have walked on. It's, it's quite a sort of take-your-breath-away moment. I, he and I have shared spare. We have a breathe in the air. It's the same air, same place that Jesus lived. And it's the only bit in the, in the creed, of all our sort of creedal statements that roots Jesus in our experience. That's why I want to commend this little line in the creed. We, we can hold on to this line and we hold on to the fact that Jesus knows what it is to go through what we're going through. And actually that's the thing, isn't it? Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. You, if you were getting, if you had, you got, you said to a committee, hey guys, you got a, we want you to come up with a sort of big statement, you got, you, we'll give you one line, about sort of eight characters, to sum up Jesus' life on earth, what, what would you say? Surely you'd want to say something like, you know, the guy who changed water into wine, the guy who walked on water, the guy who raised Lazarus, and then you'd want to celebrate something amazing that he did. So of all the things, the, the, the creed kind of is whittling away, editing away. All things that the creed chooses to say about his life is that he suffered. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. I want to come on to why I think that's um, significant for us. But interesting again, isn't it, that when we think about Jesus' suffering... I don't know about you, but I wonder what if I say Jesus suffered on earth. I wonder quite understandably what we sort of zoom into, where, where, we, where we focus. This big visual clue hanging above me. <laughs> you think about the songs we sang just earlier on, as Claire and the team led us beautifully in worship. Much of our hymnody and our songs, uh, much of the icono iconography, iconography, is that right? Yeah, just about said it. The icons in church. Uh, the art, um, religious art, it, it focuses in on the cross. And we go, oh yeah, Jesus suffered on the cross. And, and absolutely he did. The physical torture and the spiritual torment of being separated from the Father. Uh, so an agonizing time. Sure, that was suffering. But the thing about thinking about Jesus' suffering in terms of the cross is that, again, it, it's slightly, I can see where the docetism comes in. Oh, he wasn't really one of us. Because, you see, we can't really go there. Hands up if you've been crucified. Or anywhere near it. <laughs> Hands up if you've faced anything like that physical torment and known something of the spiritual rupture that he was going through. So when we think about Jesus' suffering, we kind of, subconsciously, we, we go, oh yeah, Jesus suffered, and he doesn't really know what I'm going through. Or I, I, I'm not really, the, the things that I'm going through aren't the same. He doesn't understand. It's of a different order because we compartmentalize Jesus' suffering into just one event on Good Friday. That's why I think this little line in the creed, beguiling, but it's, whoa, well done, guys. We, the, the church, hone this together. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. It's not actually mentioning the cross. I know it's in the prelude to the cross. 
But he's not actually talking about the crucifixion, this, this creedal statement. Suffered under Pontius Pilate is speaking about other ways in which Jesus went through testing on our behalf. When we say in the creed, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. We say, we believe that Jesus has been through and therefore understands what we go through, not in extremis, but in our everyday lives. When we face testing times, when we face tough times, in a myriad of ways, we believe that Jesus meets us there. He's been there. And he understands. Injustice. You and I face that on, on, a, on, a, on a sliding scale. You and I face that as Christians in the world in which we live. In if some, some of the ways we may not notice it, we just sort of suck it up. In other ways, we do. We, we face injustice. Jesus faced injustice as he faced Pilate. Let me just read um, in John 23. Pilate says to the, um, the, the Pharisees and uh, the Sanhedrin who brought Jesus, that you brought me this man as one who is inciting the people to rebellion. I've examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he's done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. And later on in verse 23 of John 23, but with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. How is that fair? Pilate, who has the sort of the undeniable sort of the, the, the sole right to exercise judgment, says, I, don't, he's, I can't find any charge against him. He's, he's innocent. But the crowd will whip up a frenzy. And so in his cowardice, Pilate says, oh, okay then we'll condemn him to death. I mean, how would you feel if you were charged with, let's say, some kind of criminal act? You go before a court and the judge says, actually, you're not guilty, but because that doesn't seem to be popular, I'll condemn you anyway. How's that fair? How would you feel? Jesus went through that. kind of gloss over it because of course it's, it's in the prelude to the cross and we tend to focus on the cross but if we can all just put the cross to one side for a moment for the sake of this message here how unjust is that that Jesus who actually through his ministry challenged authority but it's submitted to it submits himself to Pilate and his authority trusting that Pilate will do right and he doesn't Political expediency to appease and placate the Jews, actually, who were uh, in unrest because of what Jesus threatened in terms of the authority of the, the religious authorities of the day. And, and in a, it's a lesser way, but nevertheless, there'll be many of you here, I'm sure, who've been the subject of uh, injustices through office politics. You've been overlooked for promotion. You've not been given credit for work that you have done and worked hard on. You've, you've sucked up an awful lot in placating a, a 
painful client on the phone, and that's not been recognised by the team. A lot of the project success or smoothness is down to all the hits you've taken, and someone else gets the glory, someone else gets the praise. You get looked over. It's not fair. It isn't fair. It isn't fair. But Jesus knows what it is to experience injustice, something that isn't fair. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was accused of religious uh, falseness. He was accused of subverting the nation, of opposing the payment of taxes to Caesar in claiming to be Christ. It's interesting, in, in uh, Mark chapter 15, verse 10, it, it Mark's account of the last few days of Jesus' life and his account of uh, uh, meeting Jesus meeting with Pilate and Mark records that Pilate knew it was because of their envy he, he knew they had mixed motives and yet he caved in uh, and similarly we will be mistreated and scorned as a result of, of maybe it's envy that element of your character that is Christ-like shines out in a fractured and, and broken world you, you come across, I guarantee you, you come across to others far more impressive and together. I know you may feel you have a different story because you know the reality of yourself, as I do myself, but you come across the, the peace of God that goes beyond our understanding. It keeps your heart and minds in the knowledge and love of God. As you go into the workplace, people who have no idea of who they are in Christ and why they're here and the purpose for their lives. You have some idea and it shines out of you and that will provoke reaction from people around about, including uh, fear, jealousy, envy of who Christ is forming you to be. And that will provoke opposition. It'll be, it'll be cloaked in piety and, and sort of legality. But often, that's what's at work. Relational suffering. Can you imagine? Jesus was there at the creation. God saying, let us make man in our image. We've just celebrated Trinity Sunday, where we recognize God is one in three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Jesus isn't mentioned in creation. The spirit is mentioned hovering over the waters, Genesis 1. And God is the one who says, let us. Well, so who else is there? Jesus is there at creation. He's there at the creation of humankind. He's the one who sees the prototype. He's got, he sees the plans. He sees the blueprint. He says, let's make man in our image. Fully understanding who they are. Let's make human beings to flourish in Trinitarian, like our Trinitarian relationship. And Jesus comes, is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He's born into our lives. He's, he becomes one of us. He lives amongst us. In order to relate to us, to show us what a human life can look like in perfect communion with God. He comes in his perfection to show us what we could be. And in the events that lead up to his crucifixion, he's exposed to what mankind has become. 
he, he's fully exposed to the sin in our lives that eventually strings him to a cross. Someone once said sin is the difference between who we actually are and who we could have been. It's not a bad description of the impact of sin on our lives. And Jesus came to, he, he was kind of tarnished, he was splurged with the impact of human sin. And it affected the relationships that he, he himself was in on how they should have been. The perfection and the beauty of what they could have been. And actually in a similar way, don't we? When, when we seek to bring the love and the peace and the joy and the forgiveness and the gentleness and the, all the fruit of the Spirit, when we seek to bring that into a relationship with someone else and it's thrown in our face, it's not recognized, it's twisted or manipulated or, or just abused. When we come in love and we confront some other kind of heart or head attitude, that spits us back, that rejects us. When we want the best within a relationship and it's gossiped, maligned and abused, don't we know something of that? It gets us. We, we're, we're hurt. Quite a lot of my, my role is, 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 um, is kind of, it, to a much lesser extent, sort of rolling up my sleeves and getting into the sort of muddle and the mess of human relationships sometimes. And you see all the kind of relational hurt and misunderstanding, disconnection and abuse that can take place. We, we experience that. We, we share in that as Christians. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, Jesus. He knew what it was to experience political injustice through expediency, uh, religious misunderstanding, relational suffering and abuse. Jesus in his prayer, and with this I, I finish. We're going to have an early finish tonight. Um, John chapter 16, as he's teaching them about, uh, he's preparing his disciples for when he's going to move on. And um, he's teaching them about the Spirit who will come and lead them into all truth. And uh, right at the end of chapter 16 of John's Gospel, he says, I've told you these things. And he's preparing them for the fact that look, when he goes, it's gonna, you're going to face tough times. You're going to suffer. As I suffer under Pontius Pilate, you too, you're going to have your Pontius Pilate moments. Now, I want to give, kind of give you a heads up for that. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So we will face test and trial. We, we will experience trouble. We, we were never promised a life free from suffering. We, we're promised strength to withstand suffering, but no avoidance of the test or the trial or the suffering. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And we cling to this line in the creed. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, Jesus, the exact representation of God in human form, has experienced what it is to suffer so that when we come to him in our suffering, 
to whatever extent, in whatever direction, we can know and hold to the reality and the truth that he's been there too. We can meet him in our suffering, in our test, in our pain. And we can begin to know his peace amid the pain and the suffering because he's overcome it. And as we are in him and he meets us where we are, he helps us to be overcomers too. I believe in Jesus Christ, suffered under Pontius Pilate. Amen.